Here we go uh, for another uh, episode of First Impression BJJ with Ricardo Amendoia. Is that right? That's it. That's it. There we go. Um, so I want to thank you first for the opportunity to give me, you know, uh, to talk to you. And I want you to introduce yourself a bit for. Sure. My name is uh, Ricardo Amendoia. Um, some people call me Balea. It's kind of like my nickname, you know, that I got over the years. I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under the Mendez brothers, Rafael and Guilherme Mendez. Uh, I've been training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu since around, I would say like 98. I did a little bit of just like fooling around with grappling in 97. Um, I started with karate originally because my father was a black belt in karate. He used to teach at McMaster University where I live in the city of Hamilton. So that always kind of like, I always wanted to do martial arts as a kid. But then I, you know, I started to do karate and then Kung Fu. And then I saw the UFC and I was like, okay, like this is the real deal. And then I got kind of hooked on jujitsu. So I started training, um, you know, here in the city at uh, Joslin's martial arts in Hamilton yeah. under Jeff Joslin, really, really tough, really good professor. Yes. And, um, you know, traveled with Jeff to the States many times, to Chicago, during with Carlson Gracie Jr. Then we hooked up with uh, the Alliance team in 99. Wow. We made, you know, we went to go train with Romero Jacare, Cavalcanti in Atlanta. And then I would uh, travel by myself to Atlanta after that, you know, every year. And, you know, that's where I met like a lot of the top, top guys from the Alliance back then, like yeah. uh, like Leo Vieira, Rodrigo Comprido, Fernando Terere. Uh, Zimario Sh- yes, yes, and then uh, I met Zamaro Shviha, and then a year later, I brought Shviha to come and teach at Joslin's. Uh, for it was supposed to be two weeks, it ended up being almost a year, <laughs> and wow. he stayed. And at that time, like, there wasn't really no black belts from Brazil, you know, in, in Ontario. Canada. In Canada, oh, yeah. Oh uh, no, in 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 Ontario, and especially in Hamilton, I think like I think Vagny was here, and some other guy like Marcus Suarez was already in Vancouver. And was that when what that was? That was game. So anyway, so I I stayed. Then he, you know, then he left, and then I stayed training at Joslin's until about two thousand and eight. And then in 2008, my my one of my best friends, uh, PJ O'Sullivan, opened up Pura Jiu-Jitsu, and I started training there. And um, we, you know, became affiliated with the Mendez brothers in 2010. I got my black belt in 2012 from them, and that's kind of where I've been ever since. But unfortunately, um, just due to everything with the pandemic and everything, uh, uh, you know, Pura had to close its doors. Yeah. Um, the last few months. So right now I'm in Hamilton, not much training going on. Everyone's kind of like still figuring it out, but uh, yeah, that's kind of my quick little story there. Of my yeah, it's, journey. Uh, not so quick, but yeah, man, it's a good story. <laughs> you know, over the years, you know, I, I couldn't believe like, I didn't know you got your black belt from the Mendes. That's amazing. You know, that's uh man one of the best the two of them they're great 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 yeah. uh, practitioner right so mm-hmm. I, i love to see them the, uh, all the videos and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah i mean like i knew i knew that you guys were affiliated but i didn't know how close and you know how things would to get until you be affiliated until like with them so uh, when did you get affiliated with them 2000 so to, what happened was um in 2008 um 
I helped uh, Ed Suarez, who is the, the manager of Anderson Silva. So I used to own a fight store and I was, I became friends with Ed because I used to sell his, his clothing called Sinister Brand in my store. And, you know, we became friends over the years. And then I was always trying to bring Anderson Silva to the store to do like a meet and greet, which I did. And it was hugely successful. So what happened was when Anderson was coming, we piggybacked with this MMA event at the time that was like on the reservation and they wanted to have him as a, as a, to do an appearance at the MMA event. But the caveat was that they were going to bring one of Black House's fighters who was Andre Galvao. Uh-huh. So Ed made a deal with them. I'll bring Andre Galvao to fight. And then Anderson will come to be in his corner and be like, uh, you know, to be there. Then he'll do some appearances. So I met Andre about a year or two before ADCC, just like I was working with ADCC and um, I kind of just, you know, high by and, you know, yeah. but um, when, he, when he was about to come here for the MMA show and asked me, he's like, Hey, can you, can you take care of Andre? Can you hook him up with a place to stay and, um, you know, get him a place to teach? I was like, yeah, That's Andre Galvan, man, of course, you know? So what happened was we brought, you know, Andre here and he stayed with us and, you know, we became friends. We, you know, really him, my wife, we spent a lot of time talking about everything and yeah. uh, we really hit it off. And then, you know, it was cool. Like when he fought here and, and, and not a lot of people know this, when he fought in the reservation, you know, like the walkouts for Andre's fight, yes. it was like Andre and then Anderson and then me and then it's so ours like to go. So it was like the first time, like, you know, I ever, Kind of did like an MMA walkout, but I was like, next to Anderson, so it was so cool, you know. He's like a lot of stars already, man. That's yeah. amazing. You know? Yeah, so that was fun. So anyway, so we so he won the fight with I think he won with Armar against a tough guy, Mikey Gomez, and then uh, and then he stayed. He stayed a week. Uh, actually, he went to Toronto BGJ for a week and taught there, and I, ho- I hooked him up with Josh to to, uh-huh. to figure that out. And then uh, before he left, I went and got him, and we talked again more, and you know. He was like, oh, man, I want to come back. So I brought him back a year later. And I brought him a year. Like, when he came that first time, he didn't come and teach or anything with us. He was just like a guest. Then the next year he came and he started teaching at, at Pura. Um, I think it was like a few classes. Then I brought him to Salfosa as well. And then we started talking. And he was like, oh, man, like, you guys should bring um, Rafael and Guilherme. Man, they're so good. And, you know, they want to branch out. And we were like sure you know that's at that time that was like (laughs) when they just broke onto the black belt scene Uh so like we knew about them but like we didn't really know know them you know but we we knew how good they were and like you know before that i was like training with like you know guys like leo and guy in cobrini and then i would see hoffa beat them and i was like Uh oh man yeah i don't know i don't know man he's good like i felt kind of weird you know but so then, you know, so then eventually we brought them in 2000, uh, 2010, I met them in Abu Dhabi at world pro and we, you know, introduced myself and, and, uh, you know, we kind of hooked up and then we brought them in 2010 and then they stayed like, I think like a week or two week for sure, maybe two. And they taught like every class twice a day, they talk classes and it was like the craziest training we ever did, but also like, it just totally showed us like this whole new you know, yeah. style of jujitsu, like, yes, yes. yeah. Cause like, you know, be honest, like before that, like 
it was like like Delahiva was always like like one technique for Delahiva and then like one technique to pass and like I was like who the hell does Delahiva like at that time that wasn't I, really yeah, was a big thing out, right yeah yeah so like we learned but we had no idea why you know and then uh, they came and they were like okay here is our Delahiva system A B C D to Z. Yeah. Here are the counters, and here are the counters to the counters, and we were just like, "Oh my god!" Oh, so they showed us like so much more than just like the the modern jujitsu as well uh-huh. that they kind of became to known, and and it really what kind of just got my attention was just their knowledge, their depth, you know, and it wasn't just the fancy stuff, the barambolos, it was their mentality, their training, you know, the, the emphasis on drilling, and you know, so we we took that and we. As an academy, we, we started to implement that and we started to see some really good uh, results in the local scene. And uh, that's kind of how we kicked things off, you know? So you you were already Pura BJJ at that time? Yeah, so PJ opened Pura BJJ. We did it all there. When when PJ got his black belt, it was through Jean-Jacques Machado. Oh, okay. And, wow. um, you know, the academy was, like, not really affiliated, but it was, like, kind of under Jean-Jacques, but, like, Jean-Jacques is like, it's different, you know, like he's not really into like the sport of jiu-jitsu anymore. He's kind of like, which is cool, you know, like people do jiu-jitsu for like more different reasons, right? And uh, yeah, so we were, you know, PJ was under Jean-Jacques, but we we brought the Mendes brothers and they were like, you know what? Like, we really like it here. We want to have you guys as our first affiliate. So we were like, okay, cool. So we tried it out and then it, you know, it worked out well. And then we just, what we would do is like, they would come like once or twice a year. And like, if it was, wasn't both of them, it would be either Hoffa or Guy. And then they would come every like few months and then they would give us a curriculum and then they would like upgrade it. So like one year they would come and show like reverse Delahiva, like hand on the collar, hand on the knee. And then the next year they would come, they're like, okay, scratch that. All now it's all about, now it's all, you know, 20 passes from here. We're like, shit. So every year they would come and just like refresh, refresh, refresh. Our, our our curriculum which was amazing and then when they couldn't come because they started you know they opened the academy they had more seminars they would send like some of their top uh brown yeah, belts yeah, yeah. and I, i saw that I, yeah I you know that. so we had like amazing kids come up uh, alessandro roman uh, mateus rodriguez uh jonathan alves uh tina dalper came all the top top guys And uh, that right yeah. now, that right now they're doing really good too, right? Uh, so they are mo- most of them reached the black belt, right? Yeah, so. yeah. A lot of those guys, pretty much all the guys that came got their black belt and have either opened up academies or like, you know, been winning all the tournaments. So that's kind of how we, you know, started. And then in 2012, we made a, a team trip to go to the AOJ, uh, like a bunch of the guys from the academy here. And uh, then I was a brown belt at the time. And then that's when they awarded me my black belt. Wow. So it was cool. Yeah. I was actually their first black belt ever that they awarded. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's pretty good to know too. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Yeah. That's that's fun. I'm sure that would be like such a, like a type of pleasure for yourself too, you know, because it's, it's cool, but it comes with a, with a target right because like yes because <laughs> yeah. like yeah so like the funny part about it is is like a year or two later i was traveling the united states doing um academy visits for uh five grappling i was working some marketing promotion for the company at the time yeah. and i would go to the academy so like let's say i would go to like 
you know, wherever, all over the, all over the United States. I went like, you know, Indiana, Illinois, California, you name it, Florida. Everywhere. And then I, you know, I would go visit the Academy and then I'd be like, man, I got to train too. So they'd be like, Oh, cool. You're a black belt. Huh? They're like, yeah. They're like, who are you under? I'm like, <laughs> like, but as players are like, let's roll. You know what I mean? Yes, and then they were like, yes. Oh yeah. So like, was funny because like I was traveling and I didn't have regular training, but the training I was getting was like I had to be sharp, you know, sharp, so, exactly. all the time. Yeah, so I'm yeah, sure. So Especially was, when you say that, right? Especially when you yeah. Weak, uh, yeah, so I got I was promoted by Key Mendes and Hafa Mendes. Like people, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they think it's like not real, and then I'm like, yeah. I mean, I but like just to be clear, like I got my blue, purple, brown under Homero Jacare, yeah. but. When I left the academy that I was at, uh, you know, obviously it was weird because it was another Alliance Academy in the same city. So um, that's, you know, I ended up getting through the Mendez. But originally I got my blue, purple, brown through Homero Jacare. who's was like one of the greatest instructors of all time. Uh, amazing person that helped me out with like so much more, you know, in jiu-jitsu that I can ever be thankful for. So oh, yeah. no, I understand that because... Uh... When you when you have a type of relation with somebody that gave you all the way up to brown belt, and if you live in a good terms and stuff, it's like always great to mention. That. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's yeah, it's it's tough to do, you know. And, and um, I, I made it very clear, like I wasn't leaving, you know, under his tutelage. I wasn't dissatisfied with anything uh, with him. It was more about the the environment that I was in at the time, which was starting to I be more it. focused about. MMA than jiu-jitsu and I was just not into that I was just wanted to just do jiu-jitsu so the new environment that was available for me I was like all in you know and um you know we've been cool like even when I got my black belt Jacare like sent me like a big congratulations and um yeah even like you know when I go to the Mujiaos or the Worlds and Pan Ams and I see him we always you know sit down and that's good that's yeah that's yeah 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 it's it's cool I understand and I've seen many friends throughout the journey you see that happening you see some weird stuff happening you're like whoa how can you you know but yeah i think i think like there's there's ways to do that you know and i think like you know you could like the the thing with our culture is is like there's a lot of rules that are unwritten and some people are going to say like those rules are stupid and they they shouldn't happen and some reels some people are going to say they should i'm pretty old school so i've i'm like i think like respect is like really important and i agree with you you know and, and like i think like it's better to do things the right way and be upfront about things and that's what i really tried to do um in that situation but i i can also understand where some people they're a little intimidated to have those conversations so they leave and then they get defensive and then they that's when problems happen and then all yes. of a sudden there's beef and then this yes, and that yes, yes. so it's it's nothing new it becomes a beef that shouldn't happen at all yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I totally understand. I've seen, I've seen that happen. Many, yeah, absolutely. Many times. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so going back when you started, when you started, like you said that you have a background in karate. Your dad was a karate, right? Yeah. My father taught uh, karate in the university here. And yeah. I did a little bit of karate. And I also tried some Kung Fu because I saw like Bruce Lee movies and uh-huh. I thought that that was real. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so then when you saw UFC, that was when the, uh, something like woke up and you said, oh, I want to do jiu-jitsu. How was it? How did you meet jiu-jitsu? Yeah. So like I saw the, U- I watched uh, the UFC three pay-per-view um, because of my brother 
told me about the UFC is like, man, like there's this event and it's like, it's real fighting, like real fighting. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, he's like, man, they have like a karate guy and this guy gets his head knocked off and this, and there's this guy from like, from Spain and he's like he's called like the Garcia brothers and you know he goes out there and no one knows what he's doing he's just like tangling everyone up like a like a boa constrictor and he makes them tap and I'm like what the hell like you know what I mean so then I I you kind of knew something about it, but it, they didn't have I didn't see UFC one and I didn't see UFC uh-huh. two and what happened was I didn't the 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 VHS didn't come out in time for UFC three pay-per-view so then I went to my buddies in high school. We watched UFC three pay-per-view and that was like, holy shit, this is the moment because I've always like looked at martial arts my entire life up until that point. And I always wanted to know like who would win, you know, a boxer yeah, yeah. and karate. So I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is it. This is the real deal, you know? And then I was like, I start seeing the guys. I'm like, Oh man, Ken Shamrock, man, look at the muscles. He's going to kill everyone. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. But the Canadian guy, man, look at the mullet. He's got the white, you know, tank top. And Oh no, the Muay Thai guy. No, the Muay Thai guy is going to the sumo. Oh shit. And then I'm like, look at who is this Gracie guy. And then, and then I saw that he fought chemo to be honest. Like I wasn't really impressed. Even uh, he won. Because he kind of won, but like it was really weird, and I didn't yeah. understand what was going on. And I was, and then like they, I saw Ken Shamrock, and I was like, I'm like, man, I don't understand what's going on, but something's going on here. Like, exactly. like I'm like, you don't get in really good shape and beat people up and win if you don't know what you're doing. So I don't, maybe I don't understand it, but he's doing something. So I was like, what is this? So at the time, like it wasn't even like a conversation about like jujitsu or Brazilian jujitsu. It was just like grappling. It was yeah. like, where can I learn grappling at that time? So that was like 95, 94. Wow. Okay? wow. So at that time people were like, what is grappling? You know? And you know, what would you do? Like, you know, there was no jujitsu guys here. So you'd have to get seminars. You'd have to go look at magazines. You would have to get judo books, anything that looked like what you saw. Yeah. Like if you saw Hoyt Gracie do an arm bar, there was no material. So you would go look at a judo book and be like, oh, that's the move. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Jujigatami, yeah. you know what I mean? Wow. Like, oh, okay. So like you literally had to, like a lot of us in the community uh, had to start like that, you know. And then, you know, guys started to come and teach seminars. And then, you know, I started like I, I actually another funny story real quick before I get into that. Uh, what happened was I had some friends and we were like, you know, kids that were just goofing around like thought we were wrong, yeah, yeah. So one of them was a bouncer and uh, <laughs> and i thought i was like all into kung fu right yeah and like we were joking around like i was like you know giving him punches and right. kicks and he's like let's go let's go like for real i'm like all right let's go so then i was against like uh it was like not in an alley but it was like a restaurant and uh we're like okay go so all he did was like rushed me and put pushed me up against the wall and i was like okay what are you gonna do now and he's like well what are you gonna do now you can't do anything and i was like uh oh, oh i'm like okay let's do it again let's do it again so i did like three times and i could not stop his entry his clinch his closing his the distance putting you against the wall yeah yeah so i was like shit like wait a minute like it didn't matter like if i was faster if i was more flexible because i had good kicks at the time I'm like that didn't mean anything because all he had to do was just go forward and push me against it. so so then I was like, like a little light went off my head and then I saw the UFC and then I saw 
that there was something there. And then I was like, okay, I got to get into this. I got, whatever this is, I need to learn. And that's kind of how it started. So I started to do karate at Jolson's and the karate program, but then they started to do a grappling class, like once or twice a week. So it was just that, like we, what, what Jeff would do was he would get a magazine or he'd buy like the Gracie instructionals or whatever. And then we would like watch and then go practice, you know, and then, you know, for like maybe two years, we only had like 35 moves <laughs> to practice. Like, you know what I mean? So it was good. I got really good at the basics, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of time but doing very, just that. Very different. Like from, for example, nowadays you have the information everywhere. We have videos, yeah. we have seminar, we have things and people become good like that, right? Whenever yeah. you put the time. I'm sure that back in the day, those times, like when you have to see the, the, the paper, And it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? You just see an image. Let's say you just see the guy with the arm here or maybe yeah. the three three images. Oh, you do like this and then one picture. You do like that, another picture. And yeah, then exactly. the guy with the arm here extending the arm and like, how the hell that happened, right? Exactly, because there was no YouTube at the time. Oh there, was, there was magazines, books, and the magazines which, which would Which magazine was that? So in a long time ago, Black Belt Magazine was like a, it talked about all martial arts. So Black Belt Magazine started and they, they would do stuff about the UFC. And once in a while they would have like a jujitsu guy, like, like Hoist or, you know, Henzo. And then the magazine started to sell. They would do like, uh, like three page ads of like Panther Productions and they would sell the VHS tapes of the instructionals. Okay. So then we would see, and then every year be a new guy. Oh, and then the magazine would promote the seminars. Oh, seminar Toronto, hoist Gracie. Yeah. And I'll be like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? So that is how the information was back then. We didn't have email, text, Twitter, Instagram. It was, you had to go to the variety store, buy the magazine, look yeah. for and pray that the seminar would come to Canada so that you could go. I you know it. what I mean? Get it. Yeah, yeah. So then, as as you mentioned, you have like a background already, and then you got interested with that. So then, you had like a type of first class. You yeah. Like, how was yes? That? Well, what happened was my friend was going there before me, so we were always fooling around, like uh -huh. you know, like in his basement, like practicing, like just I get it, yeah. whatever. And then he showed me a couple of the moves, and I was like, okay. So then we, I had like a first class. Man, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember the first class, but I think it was like just close guard, you know, sit up, sweep, Kimura. That was it. That was it. You know what I mean? Like you got in, you got in class and then you say, okay, no problem. Come in, yeah. put your gear, and then let's let's yeah. whatever. No, no, like uh, no pos no drilling, no positional sparring. No, it was like half hour tech. Like you know, still kind of exists. Like half hour technique, yeah. half hour. Uh, or half hour warm up, half hour technique, half hour sparring. But back then, we would also practice a lot of the self defense because when the Gracie family came to North America, that was the first. That was like their like appetizer for jujitsu. They didn't they didn't really show you a lot of the cool stuff. They showed you first like self defense, the basics of jujitsu, yeah. and then you had to go to like them specifically and ask them like yeah but can you show me like you know what i mean the other stuff yeah, yeah, and then they yeah. would like oh okay like they would open up if they felt that you were kind of past that level to learn you know uh, but that's how a lot of us learn you know they focus they, when they came to focus more on self-defense right yes that yeah, was the absolutely. whole idea and this year i believe the grace family 
the Grace University or the Grace, you know, uh, Jiu Jitsu, they are always more focused on self defense. Until nowadays, I believe they promote that a lot. Yeah, for sure. You know, on the internet. Yeah. So you went there and then you started. And how was it? Like, how after you started, after you get the moves and, you know, f- realize that things are working or things that make connection? Because before you're like, oh, man, I see that something's behind that. But then when you start doing it and you start to understand how was the, you know, the, the mind, how things change. I think it just like, you know, kind of like the proof was in the pudding, like being able to roll with people and get like your first submission. You're like, Oh my God. Like the first submission is like, you're in a, you know, not to say it and I'm, I'm against this, but saying it's almost like a first fix of a drug, you know, like yeah, yeah. you get, you get addicted after that, you know? And, and that's, that's how it was, you know, submitting, being able to make somebody submit the first time. You're just like, wow, I have the power. I, I have this it. magic power. This. Yeah. So then, so then it was like, you know, the addiction became learning more and more and more. Yes. But at the time, like back then, like you, this is the funny part about jujitsu back then is like, if I was in Hamilton and I drove to Toronto and like, let's say I train with, Omar Salvosa at the time, he probably only knew the exact same jujitsu moves that I knew because the material was only, it was like little by little came to the country. You know what I mean? Like very baby steps. So everyone knew the same thing and like everyone had the same uh, VHS and everyone had the same information, but then like different people started to come from Brazil to North America different Gracie members started to come. And then all of a sudden you started to learn the new jujitsu, like the sport jujitsu. Yeah. Like my first, my first tournament that I ever saw was uh Mundial's 1996, but I didn't buy it because uh, I thought it was jujitsu as the sport. I thought it was Valley Tudo, but that they called it jujitsu. So I was like, Oh man, I'm going to get like, bare knuckle you know because yeah, no, crazy they, stuff, yeah. yeah yeah bare knuckle champ because the promotion like the the magazine had like two dudes in a speedo like punching each other and it was like get you know get the real jiu-jitsu from brazil so i was like oh man the Tudo, they promoted yeah because because back then like honestly like we would watch ufc to learn moves as well if we saw somebody doing something in the ufc we're like oh shit like I, now I could do like, you know, that's how you would yeah. learn is by watching because there was no information. So, um, so yeah. So the first tapes that I saw, I was like, what is this? Like, I didn't understand that. But then I was like, I started to see guys on the tape. I was like, Oh, this guy is Carlson. Gra- oh, Gracie. Okay. I started to make the connection. I'm like, Oh, this guy's Mario Sperry. I'm like, okay. So then, Oh, he fought an extreme fighting. Okay, cool. Oh, Holker Gracie. That's spoilers. Yeah. voices bruh so then i kind of like started to get into the sport and then uh, that was another addiction it was like oh man like this is the coolest thing ever you know and yeah. I, I got really obsessed with the sport as a somebody you know just wanting to learn and compete and then eventually run tournaments and promote the sport you yeah, know yeah no i'm sure yeah mm-hmm. like um nowadays with this all information all over like Right now, like a BJJ, uh, if you, if you want to train BJJ and you go on the internet, oh, what is BJJ? Yeah. What looks like BJJ? I, be, I believe a lot of people don't really understand because they would see two guys like a sport. You know, yeah. let's say they go and see a match between Cobria and Hafa Mendes. 
they're gonna look and they're gonna feel like, oh my god, what is this? What are they mm -hmm. doing? You know, like Meow Brothers, they don't. I'm sure that people never understand what is happening. People you still know? don't. It's still don't. It's still <laughs> yeah. don't exactly. So, and then back in the day, you didn't have none of those, and then you went there. You you know, you really want to find out what was that, and then you did. You went to the gym. You start to get it. And then you start to become addicted, right? Because yeah. with the movements and stuff, and then found found uh, found out about like the Grace family. You start to put connections together. Yeah. So how, how long did it take you to get your blue belt? Uh, so I started like training like jujitsu, like real jujitsu. I would say like 97, 98. And then I got my blue belt in Atlanta from Jacare in 99. 99. Okay. Summer of 99. Basically one year. Most of yeah. people will take one year. Okay. Yeah. So I believe you would be already like rolling, submitting guys, right? Like applying, like knowing a lot of stuff from jujitsu. Yeah. And and how did that change? Like when you did anything, you, I'm sure you know, you noticed the change, right? Between before you're like, oh, I don't know anything. Now I know something and I'm sure it changed something like on your, on your path, like on your lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I think, like, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Like, mentally too you know because i'm sure we change a lot mentally but back in the day it was different i don't like right now i can speak about it right now but before i'm sure it was like very different you know because we see all the time like our coaches talking oh you know this is gonna help you with your mental this is gonna help with your physical and this and that but back in the day how was it i never really thought about that to be honest with you because the guys that i was learning from here we were all learning together so i didn't really have like a a mentor or a professor for a while, you know, a lot of it was mutually taught. When I first started to learn jujitsu techniques, um, it was because it's like Eddie Bravo always says, like the UFC got me into jujitsu. The jujitsu didn't get me into UFC. So when I was first learning techniques, originally, like we would learn the jujitsu, but then we would like, okay, take our gi off and then get like the pads and go like one, two, take down, punch, punch, Kimura, you know, uh, Americana. Yeah. So we would try to like prepare for like a Valley Tudo or MMA because that's all we saw. But then we saw the sport and then I got introduced to the culture of the sport. And then my chain, my, my, my head went from, okay, like, do I really want to be a, a fighter, like a mixed martial arts guy or Valley Tudo fighter? Or do I want to get into the sport thing where I could do it more I don't get paid, but I can compete more exactly. and it's fun. And there's a whole, and then I started that and then I was like, Oh wow. Then there's a whole culture because you start the sport, then you meet people, you know, like uh -huh. I met, like you go to tournaments and at that time it wasn't really as it was like competitive, but it was a little different because if you were doing jujitsu, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, you were just so honored that there's other people doing it and you can meet in the same place in a building where there's 200 other people that enjoy the same thing as you, that you feel is like this little secret that no one knows about, you know, because at the time no one knew anything. So you get there and like, like I remember like we would compete against like guys from uh, the samurai club at the time or grappling arts at the time, but then we would make friends with them and they would invite us to train. So then we would go there as a group, and start training with those guys. So we would compete, but then go train with them because we were so desperate to exchange knowledge, you know, and maybe we would go yeah, there and then yeah. they were like, Oh man. Like, so it's like, I, you know, the, the, the culture kind of got me to change my thinking. And then 
you know, things started to graduate and then I kind of understood fully about the culture. And then, yeah. you know, my, my thought about training became more about, um, less about just the specific technique and then more about like the philosophical and these other things and yeah. these, but that didn't happen until, you know, I, I believe until I got my black belt, you know what I mean? Like really, okay. I didn't know anything until I got my black belt and I still don't, but I feel like I, it's funny. Cause like, I feel like the, 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 how do I say it? Like I was in the best shape. I was in the best spirit. I was in the best training when I was a purple belt. But I really understand now that I didn't know shit. You know what I mean? But I yes, yes. felt like the best. I felt like the best ever I was physically, uh -huh. but psychologically, I knew nothing. You know what I mean? And now so, the real learning, like they say, happens when you get the black belt, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I, I see a lot of people saying that. I still don't know that. Like you, you said, like you said, you don't know. I don't know that too. And yeah. I have to reach my black belt yet, but. You don't think like, okay, at a purple belt, like you said, I was in the best shape, you know, and, and doing everything in the best, training a lot. In a way, maybe now you can figure out that, like, jiu-jitsu made you do this transition until that, into being the best shape and, and, and be competing and be with the best guys to, to exchange knowledge. In a way, maybe the, the mental wasn't there, like, so much. Maybe... Like you said, now you don't know like uh, so much, but I'm sure that you used to pass to your students like a lot of things that you've been learning through the through the times, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, a, lot of, a lot of lessons for sure. Oh yeah, like I, I understand that we still have to learn a lot, and we it's a process that never stops. Like the best mm -hmm. of the best in the world is still learning. They're still providing a lot. They provide a lot of content and a lot of a lot of philosophy and stuff. But I'm sure they still like every time learning with somebody. Absolutely. You can't yeah. stop. That's, that's, I think that's the other thing that like really um, made me appreciate jujitsu more because it's like, I look at it this way, like, you know, with karate, there's how many techniques of karate really like maybe 100. Okay. And then it becomes a question of, you know, the combinations of the techniques. Okay, cool. But, but the technique itself doesn't change. It always stays the same. Yeah. Whereas with jujitsu, it's like every year something new. You, something comes new, and you're just like you can never stop. So knowing that and appreciating that, I think that that kind of drew me even more into um, you know kind of like my addiction to jujitsu. And it's still to this day, it's like now it's like not just as an instructor, but as an analyst and commentator, um, I have to constantly stay on top of the trends and looking yeah, at. What yes. people are doing so when i'm commentating their match i know what they're doing but it's cool because what i what i try to do is is watch learn study and then try it in my classes when i teach you know um oh guys check this out yeah so then when i go back i have like a further knowledge of that particular athlete you know so it's i'm really i'm really blessed to be able to do that it's it's yeah, it's really cool great yeah i see i see all the times to be, to be honest, the first time I saw you was, I think on, to be honest, I think it was five grappling. I can't remember, remember was in some tournament. And then I saw you, I saw some people talking and then a year later or something, I started to see videos, like some videos. And then I saw you on ADCC and then I saw you here. And then I was like, where's this guy from? And then I found out that he was from Hamilton. I was like, what? <laughs> like, so close here, you know? I was like, no, that's impossible. I thought you were like, 
maybe from US or some, I was like, I don't know, let me find mm -hmm. out. And then I start to see you more often, you know, because I start to be more with the community, more and more. I was like, oh my God, this guy's like so close. And I never, I never knew you were like a Pura, you were a Pura at Hamilton. I was like, my God, this guy's so close. And it's like nothing that I blow my mind, but in a way you always been with the best. You always been talking to the best guys and interviewing the best guys walking around with the best guys because i see that you know and, and this is good because like you said you keep constantly learning and learning from the best and that's great yeah like yeah. I, I like that yeah i tried to i i just kind of thought to myself like you know i want to I decided to myself a long time ago, like there, I, I was like, look, like there is the scene that we have here in Canada, which is great. And I need to contribute to that. And, and, you know, you may not know, but I contributed a lot to the scene here in Canada. I don't want to, I can get into that later, but then I was always like, okay, but there's a whole other scene out there. There's a whole other world out there of jujitsu and grappling and people that love this and, and people that are enthusiasts. So, how do I connect with that? So I was like, I need to figure out ways how to connect with that, to be a part of that, but then also to bring some of that back here. And that was always my goal. And sometimes that led to uh, politics. Sometimes that led to criticism, me trying to, you know, push for the bigger picture always. But that's, that's just how it goes. You know, whenever you want to do something new, you're going to take criticism and, and I'm fine with that. You know, yeah, yeah. but, but I believe in the bigger picture. I believe like, you know, I, I see jujitsu, you know, as this huge world and I, and I want to be at the forefront of the technical, the media, the promotions, all these different things. So I have, so I have a, a really good knowledge of all of it, as opposed to just the local knowledge and thinking kind of, um, you know, conservatively, I want to, I want to kind of open myself up to that. So what I decided was, I'm going to try to help as much as I can to the bigger picture, you know, um, going, man, like, you know, 2007 for ADCC, I drove all the way to New Jersey, you know, just to go help. You know, I got, you know, my first thing with ADCC was 2007. I drove to New Jersey to lay the mats at ADCC. Uh -huh. Then when I laid the mats, what happened was uh, the next day they were like, Hey, can you help us with, um, with the, the, just the running of the tournament. I'm like, sure. Because they started to see, like, I knew the fighters because I was bringing them to Canada. Like I knew Marcelo Garcia. I knew a lot of them. So they were like, uh, who is this guy? Like he knows a bunch. So let's use them. So then they put me to work. Like I was only supposed to work on the setup and the takedown. Yeah. But then during the ADCC, they're like, man, if you, if you want, you can help us and you could sit right on the floor of it and watch all the matches but from time to time, we're going to ask you to work. I was like, okay, cool. So that was like, I was sitting there and they're like, okay, I need you to do me a favor. Go get a table from upstairs. You're going to bring it to Bruce Buffer. I'm like, oh, sweet. So I went and got the table. Okay, now you got to sit next to Bruce Buffer and tell him who won on each mat. So, the, yeah. So if you just, I have a picture on my Instagram. It's like I'm, I'm with a walkie-talkie like this. I'm sitting next to Bruce Buffer. So uh -huh. I would be Leo Vieira won my arm bar, mat number three. And then he would go with the microphone, Leo Vieira. Uh -huh. you know? So then, you know, from there, then I spoke like a little bit of Portuguese because my, my, my wife. And then they were like, oh, like you speak Portuguese. Can you translate to the Brazilians? I was like, I, I'll try. So I, you know what I mean? Like I, I went and did it. You know what I mean? Okay. So I just, my, the point is, is like, 
you got to put yourself in some of these positions. And my advice is like, you got to try to put yourself in these positions. You may not be the most qualified, but you got to try. And exactly to be part of the bigger picture, you got to just put yourself out there, you know? And, and my goal was always to like work with these big organizations to kind of have them run events here. So, you know, in 2009, I helped Fabio Holanda with the, the world pro trials. Uh, in 2010, I did an ADCC qualifier in Canada. I ran my own invitational 2004, 2005, 2006, wow. um, which is uh, it, GSP fought in it, Fabio Holanda fought in it, uh, a lot of top guys. And uh, I used that money to go to Brazil in the summertime and spend three months in Brazil. So it was always like a means to an end, you know, it was always like trying to like connect with the bigger picture of the sport, but also to like use it to understand like the real p- picture of what's going on and also be part of the culture and a bigger perspective, you know? Well, yes, I understand, man. And I, I, I like the idea and it doesn't matter what you're going to do. People are always going to say some shit like you, like you said, right. You're trying to make, to make, to be part of a bigger picture. And this way I can see that you could bring a lot of stuff here and like you did. Right. And that's the, To be honest, that's their whole goal. Like we try to to make the Canadian scene grow and grow more because this is how we're gonna go there in the awards or any type yeah. of big tournaments and represent and bring more attention to the community here, right? And yeah. maybe make some athletes or more people, to be honest, make a little bit of more money or something through jujitsu. And that's yeah. that's uh, I believe that's a, a lot of goals for everybody because. It's not only about the passion and stuff if you cannot survive with that. Yeah. You know, yeah, if I, you can do that and survive, things become a lot great, like a lot better, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like my goal right now is continue doing my work that I do, building content for Flow, um, doing other stuff, you know, teaching here locally. But also before the pandemic, I was having conversations with some of the local promoters about how to develop their tournaments here to get more media attention the right way because they, some of them have a, uh, maybe the wrong impression on how to do that. Not because, you know, they're negligent or anything like that. It's just maybe because they just don't know. So I would, I was laying it out for them. Like, okay, guys, this is what I think we need to do. Like step A, step B, step C. And then we could start to have like, you know, flow grappling come here to cover events, but we need these steps because, I know what needs to be done because I'm on the other side of the picture there. So my advice is not, it's not, you shouldn't fall on deaf ears. You should listen to me. You know, I always give this example. I remember, uh, I can't remember who was telling me, they're like, Oh, why didn't flow grappling come here to the, to the Ontario open, for example, and to cover the event. I'm like, no disrespect. It's a huge event. Amazing competitors, biggest event in Canada, but there's a lot of big events all over the world. Why would they come here? And the example that was given to me was, oh, but Bouchesha and Leandro Lowe were here. I'm like, okay, cool. Teaching a seminar. Did they compete? Not competing, yes. They didn't compete. Okay, now, if you had Bouchesha and Lowe competing, let's say they destroyed everybody, yeah. which naturally they would do. Beautiful. Highlight. Where did it happen? Ontario Open. Now, all of a sudden, you're on the radar. Now, if they – exactly. If they came – And they lost. Where did it happen? That would, that would. Oh shit! This tough tournament in Canada. You know what I mean? So that's my point. Like, and that's something that I've always pounded on the promoters here. You got to bring the big names here. You have to bring them. Invest in that, and then the attention. Because it's like, it's like the you know the kid that's going to look at the butterfly. You know what I mean? Like the media is going to look where 
the butterflies are the butterflies, the athletes, yeah. not the amount, but the stars. And that's going to attract the outside to come and look here. So I was working on a, a, um, some stuff with some of the local guys here. And hopefully when COVID is over, we could go back to having those conversations. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff because, you know, uh, I, I've, I decided at one point, like I was doing a lot of stuff local, um, you know, sponsoring tournaments. I was running events and then I got, I kind of got hooked up with like a bigger tournament scene. And then I was like, okay, I kind of neglected the scene, but as a coach, I didn't really have a, me a reason to go to a lot of tournaments anymore because I have three kids now. It's a lot tougher for me. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, I yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I have all this knowledge. I want to help the scene here with whoever will do it. You know, if it's Vancouver, yeah. I'll go to Vancouver. I'll talk to them. If it's oh, yeah. Montreal, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of place in Canada to, to grow, uh, to do just to grow, especially talking about tournaments and even, you know, I've been traveling around Canada too with uh, 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 George and uh, next gen yeah. and we're doing the Abu Dhabi too. We did in uh, Vancouver. We did here in Toronto. I went to uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, went to Calgary and all the places that, man, it's very different from Toronto, from Ontario. Yep. Yep. We have a huge community here. And then when I went to Manitoba to do a tournament, I went by myself and did a whole tournament there with, I can't remember, maybe 70 people. It was great for them. They, they, it was amazing, you know, because they have just a few tournaments and somewhere from Ontario coming here, producing a tournament and making another event happening was like great. But there's a lot of things to grow, and I'm sure you can help with that. And people should be looking for that because, like you said, you you have big, you are part of the bigger picture, and you can help these things here. I'm sure that it will be a great help, and and I'm definitely looking for that. You know, because I think Canada has a lot more to grow, a lot more absolutely. to grow. Absolutely, absolutely. Vancouver is great too. Vancouver is great. We yeah. were there. We had um, next gen uh, Abu, uh, Abu Dhabi tournament there, and it's it's different. It, it's, it's it's different, but I think they have a lot of potential in Vancouver. A lot of, because they have uh, what's the city beside uh, like US? Uh, they have um, Seattle. Seattle, yes, and yeah. a lot of people from Seattle goes to Vancouver. Vancouver goes to Seattle, and yep. I can see that happening. You know. It's just a matter of somebody goes there, like you said, somebody really take maybe the knowledge you have and start to put it on the work because I it's, think it would be nice. It's like, the thing is, this is like jujitsu, be honest with you, and this might piss people off, but it's like this, is like jujitsu came here, everyone wanted to learn. Then everyone wanted to compete. Then some people wanted to organize competitions. Now it's 2020, you know, sucks that there's COVID, but in this year, in this type of environment, now there's some money to be made. So anytime you have money to be made, there's always personal interest and there's always going to be conflict. Yes. So sometimes, so unfortunately, that's just the nature of the beast in any industry. It's not specific to jujitsu. It's in any industry, whether it's bowling, whether it's badminton, whether it doesn't matter, any sport, yeah, yeah. anything with money and interest, there's going to be an issue. So it's going to take the right people with the right uh, ambition and knowledge yeah. to kind of put these people together and say, okay, no one's going to mess with your income. No one's going to mess with your income. No one's going to mess with your income, but hear me out. If we work together and we had this plan, yeah. maybe we can grow, all grow up as opposed to just like 
you know, like, exactly, you know. Yeah, so and I see, I know what you mean. I know exactly yeah, yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we gotta we gotta maybe talk more into that and get people together to see if something can happen. But let's wait COVID finish and then uh, in the future, 2021, hopefully we can be back with a competition scenario here and things maybe get better, right? Yeah, I think I think uh, you know, like in the U.S., they're running tournaments. IBGGF is running tournaments again. Um, you know, I think in a matter of a year, less than a year, I think we should be. I think what's going to happen is we're going to have tournaments with no spectators first. First, okay. right? I think that that's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. And then once that happens, maybe if there's no cases or maybe the vaccine or yeah, whatever, the flu season's over, <laughs> then we're going to start to increase the numbers. And then, you know, I think that's the that how long that's going to take is the question. Yeah, six months could be a year. I don't know. We, we're going to do Same. many steps for that, right? I, I believe in it's not only the, the jiu-jitsu or whatever. Everything is going to be on baby step until you yeah. get back to, to normal. Yeah. But, um, Ricardo, so going back a little bit with uh, jiu-jitsu, uh, like on your way on jiu-jitsu, what would you say, like, right now, as a coach, as a coach to people that are, like, starting it? Like, I know you have, like, a, a great experience and you've been uh, teaching, training for a long time, being around the world. So what would be a, like a great advice for new people that are, you know, trying to, to go into BJJ? I think the, the best advice is, is that you have to accept the journey and not the destination. And the journey is going to be more fulfilling for you than the destination. So the destination is get my black belt. If you just focus on that and, and you become one of these students that you're obsessed with belts, you're going to be the guy in the room that, maybe some people don't really like uh -huh. and you're not going to appreciate the time you have and the knowledge that you're going to get. So that's why I mean like the journey, you know what I mean? Like embrace the journey, love the journey as opposed to just the accomplishment. And I mean, that's just a general thing for people starting because I think the problem is when people start, like I'll give you an example. Like yesterday, this girl announced that she's going to, she's a pro boxer okay. and she wants to do MMA. I saw that. And yeah. she made a comment like, I want to get my black belt in one year or something, right? Two, two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So it's like, you, it's not about the belt. It's not. It's not. A, it really isn't. You know, the belt is, is, is a, it's a, it's a goal. And once you get there, you realize that there's more goals. But if that's all you focus on, you're, you're, there's, there's so much more that you can give and receive in this journey. And I think that's that's a number one mistake people make is like, how do I get my blue belt as fast as I can? You know, I want to get my stripe as fast as I can. And don't worry about that because if you're the guy that's asking all the time, you're probably going to be the guy that's going to take forever to get it. You know what I mean? Yes. Let your focus on the technique, focus on learning, focus on building your game, focus on, you know, bettering yourself and not comparing yourself to others. And then the good things will come. You know, the, the, the belts will come, the stripes will come, everything will come. That's kind of my advice for, for, for beginners, because I think that the number one misconception is, is like, you know, they do a beginner class. They're like, okay, can I get a stripe? And then they, they think like the stripe is like expected, you know, but like should be up to the discretion of the instructor or the coach. And, you know, it's, you got to just appreciate it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Definitely. I, I really like this, uh, this device. One thing um, you speak Portuguese, right? 
can be, it doesn't need to be the best Portuguese, but you do, right? You do understand. We had a conversation through messages and we type Portuguese or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, like, and you like the philosophy too. What do you think, like, I know back home in Brazil, since I got in Canada in 2012, by the way. So, back home, I always had my friends that, uh, um, you know, teach, become black belts, used to train jiu-jitsu. And they all have that type of respect. Back in the days, it's still a lot of respect. And till now, all the friends that are, you know, there are black belts and that I know, they are very like, oh, you can do this, you can do that. Because they have this type of respect with the coach and with the with the mats. What do you think about like people calling like the black belt as professor? Because this is a Brazilian thing, I believe. This is a Brazilian thing. We call them professor, right? Okay, what about so, here? So I think like... Every academy is going to have different rules about that. So I'll give you an example. I know when I was in Brazil, I didn't hear that much, professor. I heard mestre. mestre. I heard a lot of people call mestre. Yeah. Like I, I, when I was in Manaus, I would train with mestre Pina. Uh-huh. I, was, I would hear mestre. Yeah. Professor. Professor, yes. Sometimes, but more like mestre than professor what happened was professor became a an expression that um i think it was gracie baja started as an americanized uh appointed role of you know a coach you know or, or instructor so they were one of the first ones that kind of appointed that name i think like in 2007 and introduced it to the north american culture of jiu-jitsu now personally if i'm not if I'm not your professor and you're not training with me, you don't need to call me professor. No, exactly. I exactly. see you on the street. Even if you're my student, you don't need to call me professor. Under the under the people that we train with, um, Professor Hafangi, we use the word professor. So if I'm in the academy and you're my student, if you want to call me professor, great. If you say Ricardo, I'm not gonna like make give you push-ups. I really don't care. <laughs> I don't want to be called master because I'm nobody's master. And, exactly. but that's my opinion. Like my opinion is, is like, there's no right or wrong with like, yeah. listen, I think like every, every team is going to be different. It's like, but like, don't go there and complain two years down the road that you don't like it. So like when you opt into a team or an Academy or a culture, you have to be willing to accept all of those things. So it's like some of the guys are like, man, I've been training at this Academy or team for three years. It's bullshit. They have a uniform policy. Okay, who cares? Like, but you you bought into that. Yeah. So if you but don't like years. it, go. But yeah, if you, yeah. So it's like if you don't like it, go. Like you know what? Like to each their own. And maybe you don't understand why the professor does that, or the instructor, or the gym owner does yeah. that. Maybe he has his own reasons. So I think like everyone just needs to like, like everyone does their own thing. They do things their own way. You know. Yeah. Um, George, George has his way of doing it. Professor PJ, the Mendes, everyone has different ways of doing it. And it's not going to be for everybody. Some people are not going to like the saying professor. professor Some people yeah. are. I, I just think like it, 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 people shouldn't care so much about that. You know what I mean? I think it's. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. People shouldn't care about it. I agree. With yeah. That. Yeah. Because I just I asked that because I was talking to a friend and we kind of debate that. And um, I agree. And it's not all about you because sometimes you have your students. I have my own student that come to me. Hey, professor. And I'm like, hey. You know, I mean, not the person that's going to say, hey, no, don't call me professor, call yeah. me professor. Because 
if you believe that you're going to say the guy, hey, professor, and some people are going to, I got one, uh, I got one student that called me since then. I'm like, man. But you know what? <laughs> but you know what? Saulo accepts when people call him sensei. Expect. So, no, no, it, he accepts it. Oh, okay. People yeah. say sensei. Sensei. So is anyone going to dispute Saulo? Yeah, no. Go go try. <laughs> go try. You see what happens. Exactly. So my point is, is like, this is the, the problem. The, the thing with jujitsu is, is it, it's, it, it was not like judo. Judo has like more of like a, this is the rule and that's it. Yes. yes. Jujitsu, because it, it became spread out, everyone made their own rules. So everyone has their own way of doing it. So there's no real right or wrong. Yeah. It's this is how these guys do it, and this is how these guys do it. Exactly. That's all, you know. And you have to. And once you understand that, and once you're okay with that, all everything else is like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'll give you an example. Like, I never got, um, I never got any stripes, blue, purple, but I did on my brown. Okay. So does that not make me a black belt? That's you know what I mean. It doesn't make. I didn't get my purple. Team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, 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 it, when because that wasn't a huge deal exactly. when I was training. Do you understand? Yeah. So, like, it is now. It's different now, right? People are like, ex like, it's a big deal right now. Yes. Yeah, but it's like, funny. it wasn't at the time. So, at that time in this culture that I was in, we didn't have that. Does it does it depreciate the value of what I was doing or what I was getting, oh, or, as, or as me as a professor or as a student? No, it's just different. It's all, and when you really think about it, it's you know what I mean. What, what everybody's everybody path, like everyone's uh, jujitsu path is different, right? Any life. Exactly. So the thoughts, like I said, I just want to ask that because I want to see the the the. Um, how do I say like that? Your opinion about it too, because it doesn't really matter. Like you said, uh, if I say something, all the people gonna maybe see this uh, the video and say, "Oh man, I don't agree with this guy. Like he's full of you know." But people, no matter what you say, people maybe gonna come here and say, "Hey, professor," and you're like, "Oh, okay, hey, how are you?" I'm not gonna yeah. mistreat no. the person because of that. Oh, hey, sensei. Yeah, hey man, what's up? You know, yeah, like what's yeah. going on? Yeah. I've never, I've never told somebody to not call me professor or something. I almost told somebody, it was a guy that like left our gym and I would see him in like the, like the, you know, like the Academy, like to work out. And he would say, Hey, professor Ricardo. And I would, and I was like, dude, you left our gym. Don't call me professor. Okay. Like yeah. you know, and we're in a gym. Yeah. Just call me Ricardo. Like you don't have like, I'm that's the only, <laughs> yeah. Like that's the only guy that I would ever say something to, but I never even said it to him. Cause I was just like, Whatever, you know what I, I mean? Get, I really don't I care, get, you know? I see, especially in the gym. Hey, professor. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe, yeah I was like, so I'll, I'll accept it actually in the gym because then maybe it makes the people around me think that I'm like intelligent, you know? <laughs> oh, maybe he's a, he's a university professor. Oh, he's- A position, know, he's, right? Yeah. yeah. I oh, professor, he's a guy who teaches in university, blah, blah, blah. I was like, man, in Brazil, they actually do that call the guy professor, but it doesn't really mean that. It's just like, yeah. I, I believe it's a type of respect. Yeah. Yeah. Just there's a lot of me, you know? there's a lot of things about the culture. I think about this all the time, and there's a lot of things about the culture of jujitsu that it's like one of these things that, like, especially with social media and cancel culture, you can't really talk about publicly because some people 
think it's so barbaric and they think yeah. it's like not the way. But at the end of the day, if you talk to the real pillars of the sport, the real people that contribute, they, they don't see it as anything bad. You know, I've been, I've been in situations where um, I'm not going to say names, but I've been told to do something. You don't dispute it. Obviously it's not to my harm, but if, if you, if you get told to spar, you don't turn around. Like I would, that's just how I was raised, you know, like uh -huh. it's just like, I don't know if it's a European thing because my parents are Italian and, or, or if it's specific to jujitsu, but like certain things you don't, you just don't talk back and you just, you know, you, you have respect. So sometimes like I see it, I see it go too far where it becomes like cultish. Of uh -huh. course that's bad, but I think that as jujitsu we need respect and we need, we need that, you know? And I think right. if it's just like a free for all, like a martial art, That's yeah, it's a martial a art of, after all. You'll see a lot of parents like at, at Cambridge BJJ here, my gym, we see a lot of people coming like parents. Oh no, you know what? I want to put my, uh, my kid to do jujitsu because of the, the, the respect because of the way you're going to, you know, like teach them to do stuff. And oh, my kid sometimes doesn't listen. I want him to be here and create that type exactly. of, exactly. Right. Exactly. And that, you know, it's funny. I always remember one one thing. Like, so in, in 2001, I went to Atlanta to train with uh, Homero Jacare, and that's when like Leo, Comprido, Terere, and Shvia came. And that was the first time like I was like, oh wow, like like I heard about Terere, and I knew he was like from the favela, and I, and I kind of saw what a favela was. And I remember, I still remember this to this day. Is like he came and I saw him. I was like, oh man, it's Terere. And the first thing he did was like bow and like, you know, like before getting on the mats. Before getting on the mats, yes. And that's not a big deal. Maybe it's really normal. But for me at that time, that stood out because I was like, here is this guy who's supposed to be in the poor, lower yeah. social class, but has the most respect out of everyone in the entire building right now. Yeah. So I was like, wow. You know what I mean? Like that really stood out for me. I was like, like so, I, I like that stuff. I think it's cool. We this need it as a part martial of the philosophy. Right? I believe this is part of the philosophy, and absolutely, a lot of people are missing that nowadays. A lot of people are missing that. I try my best to keep it with it and and learn more all the time. Learn because it's always something you're gonna learn, especially from guys that've been training for a long time. And man, today, uh, I really like this talk. I enjoyed a lot. You know, like I learned a lot from you right now. It's I didn't know how long you've been in the community and. It was a great uh, uh, approach between uh, me to uh, like with you, and uh, man, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I really like <laughs> the situation. I hope we can meet sometime again, or maybe do another one in the future. You know, maybe Absolutely. see each other in some tournaments because I know things will be back, and we once always keep pushing to the better in the community. You know, Ontario, Canada. I want to push. I really like to promote it. You know, I like to promote jujitsu. I love jujitsu. Since I got here and I started doing it, it's something that I really fell in love. I was being a soccer a soccer guy. I used to be, you know, but I did a surgery that stopped me from that. And then I started surfing and then I moved to Canada, met jiu-jitsu. Since then, man, my mind just changed. Awesome. So awesome. I'll be here trying to do my best with jiu-jitsu, promoting jiu-jitsu to everyone. That's my goal with the podcast, you know. Yeah, that's great. And, and make that happen. Yeah, it's great. I think you're doing a good job. And um you know like anytime you want to talk again we just have to find a schedule i apologize for this week but um 
and you know, I'm happy to, my, my thing is, is like, I'm always happy to talk to people who are trying to push media and use it as a term to promote jujitsu here. So it's yeah. a pleasure for me. Um, next time we'll talk more about you and your journey so yeah. I can learn more about you and, uh, yeah, let's do it again for sure. Definitely. Ricardo, thank you very much. Have a great day. Okay. And now I'm going to make some uh, stuff for my wife. It's her birthday today. I got oh, Okay. Go. So let's uh let's meet up some another time all right all thank right you very much man take care thank you so much bye-bye